friends and welcome to another edition of Dan and Benny in the Ring. I'm Dan Spastiano, joined as always by the BS Express himself, Benny Scala. Benny, how you doing today? I got a mic. It's Tuesday night and we're talking about hookers. Oh wait, we're talking about wrestling. Even better. Jesus. Well, didn't Luthez write a book about hookers? Uh, no. I, if he did, I, that's news to me. I think he me. did. I guess that gives new, uh, new meaning to Luthez Press. I wouldn't huh? call Luthez a hooker though. No, not in the slightest. But, um, I mean, he's a you know, classic, so who knows? Uh, we've had a couple of guests in the past, Benny, tell us some stories. What do they call them? The, uh, uh, the arena rats? So The rats, yep. Yeah. But um, on, a, on a more serious and, and uh, fun note, uh, we're doing this episode. This is a special Q&A episode uh, based on the fans from uh, – we put a challenge out. We said if we can – the new Facebook page, when we set up our Facebook page, fan page if we could get to 500 members we do a Q&A with uh, any questions people threw at us so here we are and uh, I mean 500 that's not not a bad not a bad number as a matter of fact you pointed out just a few minutes ago uh, we're recording this on a Tuesday night uh, on the 11th and it's 545 so 545 so that's you know we goal is 600 by the end of the month maybe and we keep chugging along and the the chats are good uh, we just recorded the episode the other day with Evan and Nikita that organically grew out of a conversation on the Facebook page. So, I mean, uh, we, we, I say it every week uh, that we couldn't be, we couldn't be doing what we do without uh, the fans and the people that are helping us. So it's, uh, this is to them. The page to me makes the podcast even better. Just, you know, the way that people, everybody posts and, you know, everybody gets along with each other. Everybody's respectful. It, it's great. And they, and they come up with ideas too. Absolutely. And that's, that's here we are. I mean, uh, speaking of ideas, they got some questions for us. We're going to, uh, we're going to do some Q and a here, and then, uh, we're going to get into our predictions for WrestleMania backlash because WrestleMania season lasts three months now. So we're going to, uh, we're getting into that, but Benny, um, why don't you go first? What do you got? All right. First question is from Jessica Denezo from actually my hometown of Farmingdale, New York, Long Island. And her question to me was, uh, when did you start writing wrestling stories? So, you know, basically, she, you know, she's wanting to know, when did it all begin? So, uh, what was that movie, Airplane? First, there were the dinosaurs. No, um, <laughs> what was that? Actually, the way, the way it began for me was in December of 2017. And I, I think everybody's probably heard this. Maybe, maybe not. We have so many new members. Maybe they haven't heard it. But. Uh, I had the honor and privilege of having dinner in Pittsburgh with my hero, Bruno San Martino. Also uh, in attendance was Dominic Danucci, uh, arranged by my friend Mike Miggett, who I will always be totally indebted to. But it was such a great evening. And unfortunately, Bruno passed away literally, uh, it was four months later, April the 18th, almost to the day. So it, it took me a bit. And, you know, I thought, well, this is one of the, you know, besides my kids being born, this is one of the greatest nights in the history of my life. I have to write about it. And I, I, it, I didn't actually get published until November of 2018. So that was, what, about two and a half years ago. And then I went about another almost year before I did another story. Kind of like when I did the Bruno story, I thought, well, that, that's just a once in a lifetime. It was a one-off. And then I got my hands on a copy of a wrestling magazine the November 1969 issue of The Wrestler. This is a Bill After mag, and that was actually pre-Bill After, pre, uh, you know, uh, pre uh, our guest Gary Morgenstein, um, pre everybody. And I was in the pen pal section, and I thought, well, let me write about that. You know, another year goes by, and in December of last year, I wrote a story about Dominic, who was actually our first guest on our new podcast. Mm -hmm. And now, and after that, I guess the bug finally bit me and I thought, well, I got to catch up to Javier, even though he's ahead of me, like, you know, 980 to four. But <laughs> um, I've written actually, and I'm going to do a cheap plug. So my, my sixth story of this year, uh, which is called No Sugar Tonight, which actually was uh, about the sugar hole challenge that we had Mr. William Harding as one of our guests, which was a great show. So that story just dropped today on ProWrestlingStories.com. 
So I just, you know, I'm at, at the point where I've kind of committed that I'm going to try to write a story every month or more. I just, I, I really enjoy it. So, you know, as long as people read it, the, the last story that I wrote on uh, Marcus Bagwell actually got over 50, I think 51,000 reads, which not too bad. You know, I'm kind of hoping Mr. Harding's story does the same. But as long as I like it and people seem to enjoy it, I'm, I'm going to keep going. So that, that that's my story. That's awesome. You know, it's funny. You, you mentioned during your story, you talked about the news show. I think that's kind of an important note to touch on is where we came from, Dan and Benny in the ring. And uh, for those that, that don't know, I mean, we've, we reference shows that, that haven't uh, apparently hadn't happened or aren't on our network. Um, uh, back in 2019, uh, Jeff Robinson, they called him Jeff the Ref. He was a friend of mine. Uh, uh, I met him through the, lo the local wrestling scene here in Virginia where I live. Uh, he obviously Jeff the Ref worked as a referee. He was security for VCW, friends of the friends of the program. Um, he started. He and a gentleman, uh, Angelo Decipio, whose name pops up from time to time on our Facebook page, started Wrestling with the Future, which was a, a wrestling podcast. And they had a handful of shows, uh, a good good run through the fall into the spring. Um, unfortunately, Jeff passed away February of last year, what twenty twenty. And to fill the void, uh, talking with Angelo and some other things, I was I volunteered to come in and we talked about it. And he brought me in uh, to be the co-host of Wrestling with the Future. And through that run, obviously, Benny, you uh, you you joined the fray and then stepped out, stepped away for a bit, came back. Um, that's where some of the names on our page, uh, Mike Messier and some of the others have come from. And over time, uh Wrestling with the Future expanded. We started doing more non-wrestling stuff, and one thing led to another, and you and I had really wanted to focus on the wrestling side, and we spun off and became Dan and Benny in the ring. So, uh, I mean, I don't know. Uh, it's it's still... Uh, Angelo's stuff is still out there. He hosts two podcasts now, Cryptic Corner and Mob Talk, under the, the banner Uh various conspiracy theories and interviews with the mob. Um, I was the last one of the last shows I did with them was the interview with John a light. Uh, but yeah, we, we went back to the wrestling. Um, you and I talked for a while about names uh, in the ring and, and just kind of evolved Dan and Benny in the ring. And, and we had the logo designed, uh, which great artwork. We love it. Uh, and <laughs> next thing you know, here we are 545 members deep in our own, in our own spinoff. And Keep chugging along, like you said. We started with the uh, Dominic Danucci episode, and and we just uh, had our had our first real organic grown episode, being the uh, debate about Billy Graham with Evan Ginsburg and Nikita Brezhnikov, which started, like I said, that started from a conversation on the Facebook page. And that debate could still be going. Oh yeah, we, we <laughs> forty years, later, four of us, and we're uh, still chugging along, but. Um, I, I actually have a question, and this is more of a thought than a question, but I want to I want to bring it up. Um, Chris Craven, he said he, he talked about team booking, and he said he would do a threat. Uh, he was an Iron Man ladder match. I don't know how an Iron Man ladder match would work. I guess um, uh, hanging the title back up and see who can pull it down the most times in sixty minutes, but. Let's just say uh, a 60-minute ladder match, and he wanted to know what our thoughts were on between Shawn Michaels, AJ Styles, and Ricky Steamboat, who he argued are the three best workers of their respective generations. Um, I personally would have loved to have seen that in their prime, um, and maybe it's the past stickler in me, but I see a spot similar to the uh, ladder match between Michaels and Diesel where or excuse me, Michaels and Razor, where Diesel can't get him out of the ropes fast enough. So I see Sean and AJ somehow tangled up, and I had I would have Ricky Steamboat winning that match. What about you? Um, you know, I actually, I don't really, I, I didn't, I never cared for Shawn Michaels, the person, but I think Shawn Michaels, the wrestler, is arguably, like, maybe the greatest in-ring worker of all time. So I, w I would give him the nod. Okay, I could see that. And that would be, I mean, I could see that being, uh, that would steal whatever show it's on for sure. 
one one thing the three of them have done AJ Styles more recently, Shawn Michaels through his run, and then Ricky Steamboat in the '80s, especially in, in '90s with Flair and, and Savage and all, is steal steal the spotlight of whatever show they're on. So that would definitely I would, be I the, would like to see that as a fatal four way and throw the Macho Man in there. There you go. I, I mean, you throw you throw him in there. I'd be, I don't know. I might I might change my mind. Yeah, I was gonna say he I I might see him pulling that off. Although uh, WrestleMania three, him and Steamboat, uh, you never know. So all right, moving on. Well, what else you got, Benny? All right, and now from a very special person, Maureen Taranzo. Well, uh, actually, it was our first. Uh, she's from Plant City, Florida, um, and she's actually our first. Uh, member of the page besides us so okay. she was the number three member i think you were one i was two she was three there you go and her question is uh why did lou albano wear rubber bands on his face <laughs> and i mean i had no idea i mean of course i knew that he he had them on his face but right I, I had to do a little bit of research and i found out that uh well first of all Lou Albano is a, a very strange character. His mom was a concert pianist. His dad was either at least a doctor, maybe a surgeon. Um, his, I, all of his brothers, I think his siblings were in education. I think one of his brothers was the principal of a school in Westchester, New York. But, and Lou had a, uh, Lou had a scholarship to the University of Tennessee, and he got kicked out for cheating on a test, which you know, is no surprise. Right. Um, and um, then he decided he wanted to be a boxer. And, and this is in the early 50s. And uh, he, I, I guess he knew somebody who knew Lou Duva, the boxing manager. And okay. Lou Duva took one look at Lou Albano. And, you know, he's, Lou Albano was built like a cigarette machine. And uh, so Lou suggested that maybe boxing isn't your thing. You know, maybe try your hand at wrestling. And Lou, uh, Lou Duva knew Willie Gil- Gilsenberg with Capital Wrestling. Okay. And I believe Lou wrestled, uh, he made his debut in 1952, which I didn't even know that. Uh, I, I would have guessed in the early 60s. But um, him and uh, Tony Altamore, who actually wrestled in the WWF for years, they had a gimmick where they wrestled as, like, they, I think they called themselves the gangsters, or they, I mean, they, or the mafia, or something like that. To the point, I mean, they won. They actually wrestled on the same card in Chicago that Buddy Rogers beat Pat O'Connor uh, for the title. And I think at the time was the largest crowd in wrestling history. But they wrestled on that card and they won the Midwest Tag Team Championship. But I guess the, the mafia started, the real mafia started giving them heat about it. About, <laughs> no the, shit. <laughs> about the gimmick. And they, they packed up and left town. <laughs> like they, they, I guess they left as unbeaten champions. But And then, um, you know, Lou came to the WWF, back to the, back to the WWF. And I watched Lou Albano when I first started watching wrestling in 1968. And he was one of these guys that he'd get the occasional win. I mean, you really can't compare him to anybody now because everybody now wins and loses. They're all at 500. Yeah. But Lou would get the, he would beat Frank, uh, Frank Richards or the spaceman Frank Hickey, you know, the, the occasional enhancement talent. He'd get the win. But then against everybody else, he got squashed. And Bruno, uh, actually, Bruno San Martino came to Lou Albano. And um, Lou had said to Lou that, you know, you're, you're really not, you know, you're not good. You stink. No, he didn't say it like that. But he said, you know, you're not the best wrestler, but you're such a good talker that I think you'd make a great manager. And Bruno actually went to Vince Sr. and proposed the idea. And, and, and definitely the rest is history. That's awesome. But now to answer Maureen's question, uh, Lou saw a homeless man wearing rubber bands on his face and he just thought it was a great idea. So all, all that that story you just told for Lou Albano was walking from his car to the ring or to the to the arena one day, saw a homeless man and stole a homeless his, man with rubber bands. Said, yeah, I'll try that. Stole stole his gimmick, huh? Yep. That's funny. <laughs> the homeless man, if he knew about it, he could have sued and not been homeless anymore. Yeah. Yeah, you could see that. That's funny. Well, we've got a uh, this one. I guess is kind of a cop out, and it goes to uh, well, not, not a cop out. It's um, it kind of a playoff of the uh, uh, one question type of question that always pops up. I got it from a couple people, so it's not gonna uh, no no specific names. Um, but the question was to us was, uh, what is your favorite match you've ever seen? And what about you, Benny? I would have to say. Uh, 
Steamboat Savage, WrestleMania 3. You know, it's funny you mention that because that is exactly what I was going to say. And, and I, I talked about it a minute ago with, their, with the call of the ladder match. That match still holds up today. And I remember as a kid watching it, just the spectacle and like being stuck to the TV with the near falls and George Steele. And then when he pushes it and he get to get the cut, the, 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 the roll up from the, the, Oh my, it was just such a perfect. And, and I'm like literally now fluttered, still talking about it, thinking about it back then, but it, it was such a perfect story in the ring and it was two of the best. The, the my opinion, the two best workers the company had at the time. Absolutely. Um, and I mean, and now the funniest thing is, WrestleMania three was the biggest spectacle in wrestling history at the time. Hulk Hogan body slamming Andre the Giant is still probably the greatest, biggest moment in WrestleMania history. Of all, and we're at thirty, what thirty seven of them now. Yep. And yet here we are, all these years later, and that's still the match that we remember. And I, you can't, I, a hundred percent agree with you. Savage, Savage Steamboat is my favorite. Now I have a follow-up question though. What is your favorite feud of all time? My favorite feud of all? Well, that's easy. It's the Fiend Randy Orton. I just think it had such a story going. That's amazing. <laughs> what a coincidence. <laughs> no, um, my favorite feud. That's <sighs> a tough one. Um, honestly. The one that really kind of, I, I just th that just really got me all the years later was, I loved the, the the circular feud, uh, WrestleMania three or excuse me four through six with Hogan Savage and DiBiase because that was really a three year storyline yeah. and uh, the into the mega powers uh, but no I think I think the feud. When when Hogan and DiBiase, when he was trying to buy the title and the fake the fake uh, Dave Hebner and and bringing Andre heel and all these I that I my favorite feud and and I'm I admit you know the quality of matches have been better and stuff like Flair and and Flair and Steamboat or or Dusty Rhodes but as far as just how much fun I got out of it the the storyline with Hogan. And and DiBiase leading into DiBiase and Savage leading into Savage and Hogan, uh, I just that's my favorite story. I'm I'm gonna go old school. <clears throat> so January 1980, you know, um, Bruno Martino is the commentator. Larry okay. Zbysko uh, goes up to Vince and Bruno and and asks Bruno if he'll wrestle him on TV. Bruno said, no, I'm not going to wrestle you. You're my, you know, you're my, my friend, you're my protege. And, uh, you know, all those cards and letters came in and eventually Bruno agreed to do the, and it was an exhibition. Yeah. So it wasn't even a match. There was no referee. They just, you know, they just kind of like a training session. And Bruno, I think Larry had Bruno in a, like a, a waist lock. Bruno kind of like sidestepped. Larry goes out of the ring and Bruno, I guess, tried to hold the ropes to help, help Larry in. Larry knees him, gets a chair, and whacks him over the head. And, I mean, at the time, I was 24 years old, and I was kind of, you know, I kind of smartened up to the ways of the wrestling world. Yeah. I literally remember standing up off the couch saying, holy shit, at least 10 times. Like, I could, <laughs> it just, I mean, you talk about, like, suspending your disbelief. Right. I was like, I could not believe it. And then, like, they built that feud like like a masterpiece. I didn't. They didn't wrestle at Shea at Shea until August, and I I don't think that episode was shown until maybe February. It happened in January, but there was a I think a three week delay on the TV taping. So I don't think it was shown until February. But you know that that feud lasted well over a year. Oh yeah, sold out everywhere. You, you know it's funny. We had Larry Zabisco on the old program. As, as part of a group and I asked him about Bruno and the way he told the story and it was to this uh, in all the time doing the wrestling podcast one of my favorite stories that he first met Bruno by breaking into his he broke into his property yeah and he was he in Bruno's backyard yeah Bruno, and Bruno, Bruno was suntanning himself right yep. he walked up to this this random dude and was like what are you doing in my yard oh I, I love and respect you and I want to train all right whatever 
Sounds good. And next thing you know, there he is in the basement. And Larry Zbysko said something I never caught as all my years as a fan. He trained under Bruno and with Bruno, which is why he had Bruno San Martino, the physique, the, the, the identical physique of Bruno San Martino, because he used his training regimen. And I never put two and two together that if you, you look at some of the famous trainer, mentor, like, you know, uh, pay, uh, mentor, mentee kind of pairings, they always had very similar physiques. And it never, it, him and Bruno being such a unique build never clicked until he told that story. If you look at Larry in the mid 70s, right, you know, right before, right when he started, yeah, you would think he was either Bruno's brother or son or, you know, I mean, they, their physiques were pretty much identical and their styles were virtually identical. Right. Mm. So that's my favorite feud. Yeah. What, uh, you got another question for us, Benny? Uh, well, yes, I do. I think this is the last one that I have um, from our great friend, Javier Oist. Okay. So this is kind of for both of us. I guess I'll, being I'm reading it, I'll do it first. And then uh, do you get nervous before a podcast? And uh, who would you book? If you uh, living, I guess living or not living, who would you book on your podcast? So, I now I'm I'm a warrior. Anybody that knows me for more than five minutes knows that I'm a warrior. My mom was a warrior. If if worrying was an Olympic sport, my mom would have had more gold medals than Michael Phelps. And <laughs> and the apple didn't fall too far from the tree. So uh, yes, I'm I, I you know the one time in college I want always wanted to get a 4.0 for one semester. The one time I got close, I got five A's and a B plus. I think I got a 3.94. My B plus was in public speaking. It's always been my, I mean, which I thought for me was pretty good, but ne never really, you know, never really got used to this. This um, is fun. And I mean, it's wrestling and everything. But yes, I do get nervous. I get nervous for every podcast to answer the question. And uh, as far as who would I book, I would book Bruno. Yeah. I can't I can't argue with that. If we could get anybody from any time, uh, he'd be the first one on my list too. And uh, not, I don't honestly I don't even think it's close. Like I don't even think it's it's close of of who would second place would be. But as for prep work, I'm not really much in the worry sense. But I do get a little nervous because I tend to trip over my words sometimes. So. I try not to I try not to 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 focus too much on how 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 things are going to play out. You just go, you know, like like the old wrestling days, you call it in the ring, call it in the ring. And thankfully, I have to say we have very understanding and, un and, and forgiving fans. Yeah, no, definitely. And um, <laughs> well, the the final question is another one that's come up a couple times. Um, I actually started a conversation on the page about it, and uh, it was the question that pops up from time to time is about our opinions. And is there any wrestling opinion? And I'll let you start, and then I'll I'll follow up. Is there any wrestling opinion you hold that you think is either controversial or not a popular one? Uh, just that you know I'm I'm fixated in the past i mean i'm in a time warp i i if i go on youtube i'm watching i'm watching jerry lawler and rick flair go at it you know and and if you watch this uh, um this episode of uh memphis wrestling where rick flair is visiting i think it's his first time in memphis and jerry lawler says I, rick i just want to shake your hand and rick was going to wrestle some enhancement talent and so was jerry jerry canceled his match and he told Ric Flair, well, well, how about you just, you know, how about you and I wrestle? And, you know, Ric Flair agreed. And he says, you know, 10 minutes non-title. And Jerry Lawler, says, Lawler said, well, let's make it exciting. You know, uh, put the title on the line. And so now all of a sudden you have a world title match on right. Saturday morning TV, which y you just don't have stuff like that anymore. So I don't know about controversial. Um, I still think Bruno's the greatest of all time. I'll, I'll. Think that to my dying breath. I, I hardly think that's an un that's, uncommon opinion. But as far as unpopular, you know, I'm not a huge fan of the current product. But I do understand that you know everything evolves, and you know to a certain extent you have to change with the times. Yeah, I I I can see that. Uh, personally, I my response when, when that comes up, and it's not controversial per se, uh, but it is definitely an opinion that I've noted 
most people don't have, and that's the Gulf War storyline. The turncoat Sergeant Slaughter becoming oh, yes. uh, a, a siding with General Anon and Colonel Mustafa, who was a repackaged uh, Iron Sheik, and Hulk Hogan having to win the Rumble for the right to face Sergeant Slaughter and defend America because he was bad-mouthing the troops, and yeah, this American hero, literally G.I. Joe hero, becoming the Iraqi villain. I, I History has not looked kindly on that storyline. I loved it. To this day, I still enjoy the the build to it and the the moments of obviously the match itself I thought was great but watching at at you know Survivor Series when uh Sergeant Slaughter's cutting a promo about enjoying Thanksgiving dinner with all the trimmings and he's like which is better than what those lousy American soldiers are, are having out there eating their sandbox meals smelling camel dung and this is it's this awful I mean it's just it's it's great there's racism and I mean, you got literally you got a white guy representing the Middle East at this point, like, you know, the Iraqi sympathizer. And it's like I said, history did not age well, but I loved it on um, ticket sales based on WrestleMania ticket sales having to relocate because of, of poor ticket sales, I think, show that the fans might not have been overly popular with that one. But again, I still love it. So that's definitely my least popular uh, or opinion I hold that's not overly popular. Um, the other one I would say that I have that I, a lot of people don't tend to agree with me on is I was never the biggest fan of Triple H and not not the current Triple H, the one uh, I mean, obviously executive Triple H. He's done great things with NXT, Attitude but era, as a talent, he his matches never really did it for me. His characterism never really did it for me. And he was the, the thing that kills me with Triple H is people talk about him like he was this legendary main eventer. And yeah, he was a what 13 time champion or whatever. But you know the business, Benny. You always have your top guys, right? And you always have the guy who wrestles your top guys. He was that guy. He was he was that guy. Yeah. Whether it's whether it's Austin, The Rock. Um, when, when when they were doing the, the DX feud with the nation and they were clearly using it to put the rock over, you know, whether it's it's uh, his later matches with like Batista and John Cena. And when they pushed Orton and Rob Van Dam's brief run at the top, anytime they they had a guy that they was going to edge was going to be their next big man, their 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 star at the top. He got there by feuding with and eventually beating Triple H. I don't know what it is now, but I know for years Triple H had one of the worst Mania records because he was always there to lose the feud at Mania, be it, you know, Shawn Michaels, his couple matches against The Undertaker, uh, John Cena, but his original title defense against Batista. Um, I I never really liked him. I never saw him as the, the guy, and I never really... In, he was never the one I I would I bought tickets to see. I, I don't think his I mean, yes his pop when he came back before he won the rumble. What was that back in two thousand? Uh, two thousand four or five when he okay. when, when he when he he won the rumble by eliminating Kurt Angle. Um, it, that was a huge ovation. And when he came back to challenge the Undertaker at WrestleMania, that was a big deal. But. I don't think you ever sell out an arena by people who want to see Triple H. You sell out the arena by people who want to see Austin, Rock, Batista, Undertaker, the guys that are going to beat Triple H that night. And it's nothing against him. I respect for what he's done since with NXT and a lot of the business side, but just I was never a fan and he just his matches didn't do it for me. He and people some people hear that and it's like you, you think I just insulted their 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 family lineage by saying I really didn't didn't care for Triple H. I tell you, the one thing I cannot forgive him for, though, was booking himself to go over Sting at that WrestleMania. I still don't understand that one. You know, I I agree that just from a pure standpoint of the storyline, Sting was brought in to be the vigilante to take down the corporation or the authority, excuse me. Uh, it made no sense from a storyline standpoint for him to lose that match. Absolutely none. Um Triple H didn't need the win. It added nothing to the feud or the characters. And it was Sting's first match in WWE. How many decades after they first tried to sign him? And you have him lose at Mania 
in, in a goofy ass overbooked match, right. as Jim Cornette would call it, hat on a hat with DX coming out and then the NWO coming out, which I'll admit I popped when the NWO came out because who else would be would be the guys you'd recruit if you're trying to take down the evil authority figures, right? But I I agree with you. My moment for Triple H that I can't get past because stories go that he campaigned heavily for it was when he defeated Booker T at WrestleMania. That entire angle was very racial. You know, people like you don't become champion. And, you know, the 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 elitists, I, I I hate to say it, but you had the rich, snooty white guy, and he was the champion, and you had the champion of the people, Booker T. And Booker T takes a pedigree, and then like two weeks later, Triple H finally rolls over and covers him clean. Like it was what forty seven seconds or something like that. This huge gap, but that was the moment that that really I can't get past because Booker T was originally slated to win that, and Triple H campaigned to keep the belt, and it destroyed Booker T's momentum. It hurt the feud, and it's one of those moments, like you said, with Sting, where it just makes. From a purely storyline standpoint, it makes no sense whatsoever for for Triple H to have won those right. matches. Now, when you build up a storyline for months that the scrappy underdog is finally going to get the title or get his title shot at Mania, and you have him lose, that just that's not how that story works. Yeah. Daniel Bryan beating Triple H and then winning the—that is how that story works. Right. You know, um, realistically, you look at. At like uh, Hogan, I hate to say it, but like Hogan beating Savage, you know that was that was the way that story had to have ended. Ultimate Warrior beating Hogan—that's how that story should have ended, you know. Um, I, Ho- the Rock when the when Hogan when the Rock beat Hogan at WrestleMania 17, you know that was where that match should have gone. And you have these moments where it's clear as day you're going to win the title, you're going to lose the title, face you know, the crowd's going to go home happy. And you, you just you you beat Sting, you, you, which killed his momentum and, and any chance you had of him. I mean, I've been granted I didn't expect Sting to be champion or anything like that. No, I just but, want him to win that match. But he had he had to for purely from the storyline standpoint, he had to have won that match. So. But speaking of pay-per-views, the other thing we're going to talk about today, we've got the continued. We are now in into month three of WrestleMania season. And the upcoming WrestleMania Backlash pay-per-view, that's going to be on the 16th. Now, mind you, we're recording this on a Tuesday, so the go-home SmackDown has not aired yet. So all of our, our predictions are going to be based on what we've seen building up to this moment. So the first confirmed match is the match for the SmackDown Tag Team Championships. And this is actually a match I'm looking forward to. The... Uh, a, a tag team name that I absolutely hate, the Dirty Dogs, <laughs> which is uh, Dolph Ziggler and Robert Roode. I, I actually, the internet dubbed them Rugler. I think that's a fun name. Um, they're defending the titles against the father son team of Rey Mysterio and Dominic Mysterio. And I personally, I think this is the moment to take the belts off off the Dirty Dogs. I think the the storyline buildup. With to push and having Dominic and and Ray and I think this is your. I don't think you save them the father son tag team for for SummerSlam. I think give them the belts now, uh, is where I think this story goes. What about you, Benny? Totally agree. It's a good feel good moment. I actually don't think there are going to be too many titles that change hands on this pay per view. Yeah, and I think if there's going to be one, I think this is the one. I I don't think uh, Ziggler and Root will break up. I think that you know they'll stay as tag team. I mean, what else are they going to do with him, really? But um, I do see Ray, you know, Ray and Dominic being the champions. Yep, we've got um, a match that was updated uh, on Raw last night. A WrestleMania rematch, the backlash, I guess, of WrestleMania uh, from the tag team match featuring your favorite Bad Bunny. We have the Miz going one on one with Damian Priest. Now, Damian Priest beat. John Morrison on Raw yesterday and got to pick the stipulation. He picked a lumberjack match, which I haven't seen a good lumberjack match in a while. And uh, 
it really seems the storyline here is that they're teasing or building up to a breakup between Miz and Morrison because they they are they've accidentally cost each other matches. They've had miscommunications in the tag. They haven't quite had that moment wrestling. You know how you know what I'm talking about. Benny wrestling loves to do where you get hit and you turn around and you plain as day. It's obviously not your partner, but you think it's him anyway. Right. You know, or, or, or you get the partners get pushed into each other and then act like it was intentional. Uh, I think that they haven't quite gone that far, but I think Damien priest wins this match pretty clean and easy. Uh, I think the lumberjacks are going to play into the story of Miz and Morrison furthering that breakup. I think they're. I, I I agree with you as far as him going over clean, and I, I just, I I'm a big fan of Damian Priest. I think he's got a lot of upside potential. So I oh, think yeah. they're just going to keep keep building him up. I I hope Miz and Morrison stay together actually because I I think there's a really and it's one of my notes here. There aren't really a wealth of tag teams on Raw, right? And I think they would be one of the better ones, and especially you know with, with you know with. Um, I guess we'll get into the, the the tag team title match here shortly, um, but I, I I do think they need to stay together. But who knows? Yeah, you know, it's funny you mention that that when you talk about a wealth of tag teams, because one of my notes when I was preparing for this show was I said the same thing. I said I hope Miz and Morrison stay together because they're a great team, and I had to pause momentarily and remember who the Raw tag team champions were because. The the and I'm going to get to that in a minute, which killed me because I loved the the storyline between AJ and Amos and and the New Day. But I had to stop for a second and I was like, oh, yeah, because they they, they hadn't been on TV for a while because of of I believe it was COVID. I'm not sure, but I know they were kept off TV for a bit. Um, but speaking of which, we'll roll right into that one. There's a. Uh, it certainly seems like they're building up to a match between the RK bros and the new day. Um, I don't know if that's going to be a number one contenders match. Uh, but as of right now, styles and Amos, uh, they're not slated for anything huge, but, um, the speaking of titles back to raw, the next match I have uh, written down here that is confirmed is a triple threat match for the raw women's championship. Rhea Ripley is defending her title against Asuka, and in a move that shocked the wrestling world because it never happens, uh, Charlotte Flair was handed a title shot uh, in storyline to just be added to the match because she's Charlotte Flair. Why the hell not? Right. And uh, the build the build here seems to be a subplot where Charlotte is kind of becoming the left-hand henchman or henchwoman of sorts for... Sonya Deville, who's really becoming sort of the heel authority figure against Adam Pierce's face authority figure. Uh, honestly, I think you, you Rhea Ripley just won the title at Mania. Uh, I there's you do not take it off her yet. So I don't know if it's going to be it's a triple threat match. So there's not going to be uh, any DQs, but maybe some dirty shenanigans. But I think Rhea Ripley finds a way to win this match. Absolutely, it's it's way too soon. We don't know what she's going to you know what she can do yet. And I think, you know, people, a lot of people, they've had their life's allotment of Charlotte. I mean, she's not going to go away. Right. But, I mean, unfortunately, I think Asuka's going to take the pin. And I absolutely love Asuka. I think I actually think Asuka's one of the greatest female wrestlers, like, in the last 30 years. But, you know, this is, you know, in the modern-day era, nobody, you know, nobody, everybody's at 500. Yeah. So she's probably going to lose. I think it's going to further the storyline of Charlotte and, and Rhea Ripley, though. But yeah, I, yeah I, Rhea walks out as champion. I, I think if I had to, to book the finish, I would have Charlotte hit natural selection or whatever to be ready to pin Asuka and then Rhea throw her out of the ring and steal the win. Kind of, that way you kind of protect both of them. Um, interesting. Interestingly, uh, I personally would, would rather it just be a one-on-one -on -one match with uh, Rhea and Asuka, but it really seems like they're building a storyline where Adam Pierce and Sonya Deville are rival GM, like rival authority figures. Um, and with Charlotte being as close to, to uh, Sonya Deville as she is, I think it seems like they're building towards what I, at least maybe this is just me thinking logically some kind of SummerSlam match. And since you're probably not going to have Sonya Deville wrestle Adam Pierce, the, maybe they'll both pick a champion. So Charlotte representing 
Sonya against whoever Adam Pierce brings in. Who knows? Maybe a returning Becky Lynch or something. But that seems to be. I think Oscar is going to take the pin, and then I think the focus might shift away for a little bit. But we'll see. Who knows? Any anything can happen. Whenever Charlotte's involved, you always got to assume she's next in line for a title shot. But speaking of title matches, uh, one that I th- I've I've enjoyed the build for because I love her heel work as 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 a heel is the SmackDown Women's Championship, Bianca Belair defending against Bailey. Now, I say the same thing, and, and I'll, I'll uh, throw it to you here in a sec, but I say the same thing about uh, Bianca that I say about Rhea. It's too soon. She just won the belt. Don't put it on Bailey yet. But I can see a finish that keeps this feud going because I think Bailey needs to go back, be back in the main event scene. I never thought Bailey would be a good heel. She is, it, it, you know, the, the, the person I think of is uh, Rick Martell. When Rick Martell turned heel, I'm thinking, like, there is absolutely no way this guy could ever be a heel. And the model, to me, was one of the, the best heels right. uh, of his era. He, he did it. He pulled it off. And uh, I think Bailey's, the, I mean, she's an annoying heel. She, she, she's definitely, you know, she's, she's done it. So I don't think she wins. Again, like you said, uh, Bianca's, she's too new. Give her a chance. Let let her see what she can do. And she's, I think she's doing some really good work. But, yeah, I think it's going to be – I don't think there's anybody else on the horizon right now. Yeah, and I completely agree. When when they first turned Bailey and she pulled out that axe-like device and chopped up her Bailey buddies and was like, okay, this is too much. But her heel work's been phenomenal. Even the – goofy and you know trying to shoehorn her way into hosting mania i thought that was great character work for what she did and it was no offense to him it was certainly more entertaining as hosting duties than anything that that titus and hogan did yeah but you got that right so uh moving on to the one of the two world titles this is the a triple threat match for the wwe championship lashley's defending against braun Strowman and Drew McIntyre. That's a lot of weight in that match. Well, who you got there, Benny? Uh, and uh, I I might be wrong on this one. I think Lashley walks out as a champion, and I think Strowman takes the pinfall. I, I again, same thing. Now he's got it a little bit longer. I think he won it on March the tenth, so he's got it what two months? Yeah, he he won it on the build up to Mania, and he's. I mean, I think he's a very credible champion. Now, I do think Drew is the long term guy. You know, we're, we're going to be talking about Drew McIntyre, you know, a couple of years from now. Yeah. Um, but I think for now, and I, I thought that when when uh, the, the, the Hurt business split up, I thought it was going to hurt Lashley. But, I, I mean, they haven't really missed a step. They, they're, you know, the MVP is doing some great work behind the mic. Um, and, and Lashley's great in the ring. I just don't see it happening yet. I, I mean, it will happen. But I think, unfortunately, Braun takes the pinfall. And then Braun, I I have Braun maybe feuding with Sheamus or or the Fiend if he ever reappears. Yeah, well, <laughs> we'll we'll see where that goes. Um, the uh, I I agree with you. I agree with you. I think Braun Strowman was I. If this reminds me a few years ago when Seth Rollins was feuding with Brock Lesnar and they put together a big triple threat pay per view match with. Lesnar defending the title against Rollins and they added Dean Ambrose in or the triple threat match between uh, with, with where they Kane was the third man. And it's like, okay, you know, Dean Ambrose is in that match to take the fall. That's his whole, his only reason for right. being there. Braun Strowman kind of got tacked onto this feud between Lashley and McIntyre. And I really think he's there. He's the third person there to take the fall so that neither Lashley or McIntyre has to look weak. Um, and I agree with you. I think Lashley keeps the title. Honestly, I think I would be shocked if any major titles change hands before SummerSlam. We talked about the, I, I predicted the SmackDown title, tag titles to change, but none none of the main titles will, that's for I sure. I think that's the bone that the fans get is, you know, Ray and Dominic winning the titles. Yeah, I, I agree with you there, which leads to the final match. And the one I hope closes the show, because I really think it'll be the show's stealer as far as just build and moments, is the Universal title match. Roman Reigns defending his title against Cesaro. And I honestly believe, and, and maybe I'm a little over-hyped over, over uh, hyped for it, but 
the way they've pads built Cesaro these last few months, if that had been the Cesaro we'd gotten a couple years ago, he'd be the face of the company right now. And I think he could still be a a guy that could feature in your I mean he's in your pro in your shows for at least the next I don't know maybe 10 years uh he could be he could have another good he could have that run if he takes the AJ Styles route and wrestles till his mid 40s uh but he I before he leaves the WWE Cesaro is going to be world champion at least I hope so um I don't think it's going to happen this weekend um I think he'll honestly I as as much as I want as as I want to see some of the evolution in SmackDown, if Roman Reigns is still champion next WrestleMania, I wouldn't entirely be shocked. No, another um, long term guy. Yeah, he he's going to have that that CM CM Punk JBL run where he's champion for at least a year, I think. So my, he's still my, got... my note is that uh, the the Vegas odds of uh, uh, Lee Harvey Oswald. And Elvis Presley being at Burger King uh, tomorrow are are actually a little bit lower than the chances of Cesaro winning the belt, uh, you know, at Backlash. So, and which is a shame because I absolutely love the guy. I mean, he he, it's going to be a great match. It's just right. you know, it's a shame you have to watch this match knowing there's absolutely no way the guy's going to win. Yeah, well, it was the same thing um, on SmackDown last week. Daniel Bryan's retirement match. The loser leaves town. Um, you knew going in, you don't put a loser leaves town stipulation. <coughs> Excuse me. You don't put a loser leaves town stipulation on a match unless the loser's going to leave or, or the, excuse me, the person that's going to leave loses. So you go in knowing 0% chance Dan O'Brien wins that match, but it was still one of the best matches I've seen in years. So yeah, I think Cesaro steals it. I think, uh, steals the show. I mean, um, but yeah, he he's going to retire as champion, or he'll have have been champion before he retires. I mean, but I, it's not happening tonight. Or now I do weekend. think there's going to be some foul play with the Usos and maybe Seth Rollins. I think they're going to get involved somehow. Yeah, I I kind of I, I the Usos definitely, especially with the uh, last week where they had the moment with the two of them, Jimmy and Jay. Now, like, what do they do? What do they work for? Was Cesaro clean house? Took them both out. Um, I, I just, I hope Seth Rollins doesn't get involved. I think the Cesaro Rollins feud has run its course. Um, maybe it's time for him to focus on something else because I really don't want what could be a great match to end on something silly like Cesaro hits the neutralizer and then Seth Rollins runs in and attacks him, or you know some the referee has to turn his back for two minutes while bad things happen, you know? But there's some heat between Rollins and the Usos, and that's kind of what, you know, I'm wondering how that's going to play out. Yeah, I could see a triple threat match coming up. Maybe SummerSlam, Cesaro, Rollins, and Reigns. Um, But I I think, I, I, yeah, I can't disagree with you at all. This is zero, zero, zero point zero zero percent chance that Cesaro wins the title this weekend. Un- unfortunate, but yes. Yep. So, uh, I mean, that's all the confirmed matches. There's still uh, the possibility of some tacked on moments. Uh, the Raw women's, excuse me, the women's title tag titles are not on, on the line. Uh, the Raw tag titles have not been announced. And some of the side SmackDown feuds. I mean, you're building up to backlash. It seems you got a couple of big names that don't have matches yet. Maybe you, th- uh, you throw together some matches. I honestly believe that the Lumberjack stipulation stems from the fact that you have so many talents not on the card that maybe you can throw in a, a Seth Rollins or someone like a, uh, uh, you know, so, someone, someone of that level, a, a Seth Rollins, uh, someone, someone maybe maybe the New Day, being involved as the lumberjacks to, right. to build another a future story. So, uh, well, we'll see. Um, it's like I said, WrestleMania backlash. Uh, WrestleMania into its third month. So I'm SummerSlam presented by WrestleMania. So uh, it, it, we've got a lot coming up. SummerSlam is always one of those shows that that delivers. 
you know, kind of like Mania does. It could be a weak build and still the guys, guys and girls still bring their best. So I look forward to it. But let me ask you something, Benny. As we, since we started with questions, I'll end with one. Uh, we're at 545 members, and we got backlash coming up. We got a review or a, a following the show. We'll do a review next week. Where does Dan and Benny in the ring go from here? Onwards and upwards. And actually, I'm looking at our Facebook page right now. During the course of this podcast, we added a member. So now we're at 546. Hey, all right. Look Let's at that. We, we just keep we, going. We, we, it's we like that thing on Facebook, existence. not Facebook, but uh, there was a, a, a website that showed the national debt. And you just like you watched it climb like every, you know, just watch it yeah. right in front of you climb. Same thing with our membership. <laughs> just yeah. keeps growing. But I mean, hopefully uh, a lot more, you know, we were working on some really, really good guests, which I don't want to say because I don't want to jinx anything. But right. just, you know, I, I don't know about you. I'm having a blast. I mean, I get to talk about wrestling. We, we had we've had Dominic DiNucci on the show. We've had Ivan Putsky on the show. We, you know, we, we've had Evan Ginsburg and, and Nikita Breshnikov debate about the title reign of superstar Billy Graham, which, like, that was phenomenal. Yeah. And, I mean, now here's two guys who totally disagree as far as, you know, uh, about superstar's reign and how long it should have been. Right. But they love each other, and, they, you know, they, they respectfully disagreed, and they each had great points. And I mean, I, I, I've listened to that podcast a couple of times already. I could listen to that 10 more times and I, yeah. I would love to further that discussion. Well, and like I said on the show, I think it's funny 40 years later, four people with a pretty, I mean, a significantly above average knowledge of wrestling history between the, the two of them and you and I, and we couldn't agree. We, I, I personally, I'm, I'm with, I'm with, uh, Evan that I think I would have kept the title on Graham for a lot longer. Um, I know you seem to be leaning more towards Nikita's side. No, actually, I, I agree with I agree with Evan. I, I, I think that, uh, you know, based on his body of work, work he, he knocked it out of the park yeah. for, that, for that 10 months. He should have been given it. I mean, they, they should have, if they didn't turn him face, you know, keep him as a heel. But, I mean, he was selling out. There was other, there was right. other uh, babyface opponents they could have threw at him. Yeah, well, because he he had pitched. Correct me if I'm wrong. He had pitched the idea of having was it Ivan Koloff? Ivan Koloff, yes, sir. Yeah, and then he could be the face against the Russian Bear, and I would have loved to have seen that. And then you I could have, you could have had a whole new set of opponents. I mean, Hulk Hogan proved that you don't you can have the big, muscular, bigger than your than your opponent's champion and still make a lot of money. Right. You know, you didn't have to be the con the Bob Backlund, you know, trying to take down the the monster of the week, or you know, it, and then you saw that a bit with Hogan with the like King Kong Bundy and Andre and you know, uh, Big John Stud, like build up these monsters just to to see who can who can be the big monster to take down Hogan, um, which actually to to circle back to an original thought, uh, somebody brought up when we were talking about, and I mentioned my love of the of the uh sergeant slaughter heel as the as the iraqi sympathizer well maybe you know maybe you don't true fact the original pitch for the iraqi sympathizer character was going to be fred ottman they were going to turn tugboat heel oh, whether geez. he would be whether he would have been chic tugboat or they would have changed his name i don't know but they decided to go with Sergeant Slaughter because he had the larger built-in fan base and more credibility. No offense to, to, to Tugboat, but he wasn't seen as a main event guy the way Sergeant Slaughter was. Um, somebody brought up an interesting point because he was still kind of coming up the ranks, but they wanted to put John Tetna in that position to have Earthquake be the Iraqi sympathizer because he was the Canadian Earthquake when he first debuted. You know, he have him be the foreign villain uh, against Hogan, which I think would have worked great, too. Sure. But when you just said that it reminded me um, when we talk about how how things change. But, yeah, we got. Um, so, I mean, there you go. Look at that. You you told the story about the rubber bands. I just told you the, the true story behind the Iraqi gimmick. You learn all kinds of stuff on this. Absolutely. Show. So, uh, yeah, it's 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 fun time. It's great time. Um, I love it. You I know. 
part of the reason you and I spun off is because we wanted to talk wrestling and we love talking wrestling. And there's moments, I mean, couple, what, a month ago now, maybe six, five, six weeks ago, you had Ivan Putsky serenade your, your better half. I mean, how many times is that going to happen in your life? Right. And I'm, I'm still getting props for that. <laughs> so we, we've got our, uh, we've got a lot, a lot of good stuff ahead. Why don't you, uh, you, you, mentioned your article benny why don't you plug that one more time sure um it's the title is uh no sugar tonight which was a great song by the the band guess who in 1970 but um it's it's uh it's patterned after our podcast uh which we had william harding tell his story about how he broke bob roop's sugar hold in 1981 and it's actually coming up June 3rd, 1981, so we're very close to that 40-year anniversary. And again, here we go, like a, a great wrestling story that, that people want to hear 40 years later. And it's, you know, that's, it's, one of, it's one of the, to me, and I, you know, I think it was born out on the, when we did the podcast, one of the most interesting stories in the history of wrestling. You know, you have a 150-pound fan come out of the audience and break a submission hold of a true, I mean, Olympic wrestler. And w- yeah. when is that going to happen? And, you know, and for a thousand bucks, and then he's not going to get the thousand bucks. And then the, the crowd goes crazy. He, you know, and it, I mean, it, it had a good ending for him, but I mean, right. it's just a great story. So I wrote about it. Um, I put, I actually took some of the quotes from the podcast and I, you know, I got some quotes from Bob Roop from uh, one of his uh, shoot interviews that he did. So, it just dropped today. Hopefully it does well. I mean, it's gotten some very good uh, feedback already on the Pro Wrestling Stories Facebook page. And uh, William Harding absolutely loves it, which that's the most important thing because it's oh, about yeah. him. So, yeah. Absolutely. Well, I mean, you 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 continue to, to chug along with your articles. And we've got a lot, like you said, we got a lot of good guests coming up. We've, we've had some fun with it. Uh, Dan and Benny in the ring. Uh, the Facebook page, Dan and Benny in the ring on Facebook. And anywhere podcasts can be listened to, we continue to grow. We continue to expand and have fun. Uh, just recently, adding a couple more stops along, a couple more stops along the way, as far as our uh, uh, people that carry us. So it's n- nothing. How do they say, Benny? Uh, uh, nothing. No, nowhere to go but up. Yep, on, onwards and upwards. Onwards and upwards. We're getting that push. We, uh, couple, you know, we. No, no, no more, no more jerking the curtain for us, huh? Nope. We're not the opening match anymore. Exactly. We, 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 we will be going for that. We'll be going for a mid-card title before you know. Oh, it. yeah. <laughs> well, what, you know, speaking of which, you, you got to keep plugging your uh, your attempted to get that match with Dominic. So, Yeah, well, a couple of things with Dominic. Yeah, one is that he uh, still is yet to answer my challenge. And it, we had scheduled it for my birthday, which is June 24th. So, you know, it, it, it's, you know. Like Samuel L. Jackson says, TikTok, and well, I won't say the other word that follows that, but <laughs> yeah. um, <laughs> that's number one. But I actually, or we actually, the page started a uh, petition for Dominic uh, to get into the WWE Hall of Fame. We posted it in the on the uh, Dan and Benny in the Ring Facebook page, and we we still need signatures. I think we're at 150 something now. I mean, we we need we need thousands of signatures. There, Dominic has thousands of fans. It's a no-brainer. The guy should be in the Hall of Fame. Uh, there's, there's not a shadow of a doubt in my mind or any knowledgeable wrestling fan who watched Dominic wrestle and followed Dominic's career. So if you're if you're hearing this and you haven't signed the the um, the petition, just find it on Dan and Benny in the Ring, or you can even message one of us. We'll direct you to it and, and just sign it. It's, it. Do a nice thing for a good guy. Absolutely. And you, you nailed it on the head. A good guy. Everybody who's ever either been on the show with him or talked about Dominic has talked about how he's one of the always, nicest men in the history of the business. Always in glowing terms. Absolutely. I mean, he, he deserves the Hall of Fame. He's he's not quite at that. He's not quite at that Coco Beware Kid Rock level. But damn it, he's he's close to being in that Hall of Fame. He's approaching sure. Godfather status. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, any 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 organization that, that can call the Bella Twins Hall of Famers should go. have Dominic should have been in a hundred years ago, um, but no, I, I I kid and and absolutely nice guy, great talent, great story, and he he came at he came to us for a lot of what what we talked about, which shows that all these years later he still cares about the fans, still cares about the business very deeply. 
and he's just such a good guy. And yeah, if you see it out there, Dominic Danucci for the Hall of Fame, uh, definitely sign that petition. He's definitely a charter member of the Dan and Benny in the Ring Hall of Fame. Right. Yeah. We. What did we say? With the first, first, uh, first two members were going to be you and me, and then, uh, then, then Dominic, uh, Javier, and Bad uh, Bad Bunny. Right. That was the, the top five. The, man, how can you go wrong? <laughs> All right. Uh, we all, always a good show, Benny. Um, for the BS Express himself, Benny Scala, I'm Dan Spasciano. Have a good night, everybody. And as always, happy wrestling. Take care.